Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. It's been a little while since we've done an episode and I appreciate y'all being patient with us. Um, For those who don't know, I'm getting married, so I've been doing married stuff and uh, it's coming down to the wire. So i got about a month left before we go and uh, I think the week of October 5th there will be no episode. But thank you guys for hanging on with me and we'll try and have an episode every week until then and then resume after that. But most importantly, um, I want to give a huge shout out to our main sponsor, Pack Racing Springs. Pack Racing Springs has been making made in the USA uh, springs, bump springs, every kind of spring you can think of for every application made in the USA for over 100 years. Their reputation in the off-road world precedes my podcast and precedes everything I'm about to say. But what I really want to tell you about today is the UTV Spring Kit. Um, I run the Spring Kit on my car. It's their Trail Series Kit, and I run it in the standard weight. Um, Again, I say this every episode, but man, it just... Ignorance must be bliss because my stock machine just rode like crap compared to what it is now. Um, The kit, the tenders alone made arguably the biggest improvement because having the, the slow speed and actually feeling the suspension articulate over those little bumps made a huge difference. Huge, huge difference. And the new lowers too um, on, on both uh, the front and the rear also made a huge difference in the stabilization. I've been running my car down trails at two or three miles an hour just hanging out enjoying a drink. And I've also been running my car upwards of 60 miles an hour uh, on a uh, on a track that I have built. It's for the endurance practice. Um, that spring kit and quality and ride comfort performance, it's been a monumental step up. I cannot articulate it strong enough that the Pack Racing Springs full UTV spring kit has been amazing to have. And that if you guys can't do the uh, full spring kit, that I would highly recommend you check out their tender kit. Racing on the Rocks has a coupon code with them, code ROR, will get you 10% off your entire order there. Um, another thing, if you do have a complete spring kit and you're looking for the next advantage in your suspension kit, I would highly recommend that you check out their Trailhawk or Schroeder series torsion bars um, and the sway bars. Uh, those are just... Again, that's the icing on the cake. That's what makes your suspension system go from working really well to being the best that it can be. Um, a sway bar is another piece of that finely tuned suspension. Anybody that races, you'll see that they have a uh, aftermarket kit. Really is the icing and sprinkles on top of your cake to get it done. Again, RacingSprings.com. They also do shock and valving, um, complete rebuilds on every single shock you can think of. I would highly recommend if you guys have any questions about spring kits, sway bars, shock rebuilds, anything like that, give them a call. Um, reach out to them on Facebook and Instagram. They are super responsive and their customer service is unmatched. Another company I want to give a shout out to is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road has been with the podcast longer than anybody else because Mike and his team over at InfiniteOffRoad.com, uh, they're just pleasures to deal with. They have a 25-year, you break it, they fix it warranty that even covers accidental damage. Um, that's on all their parts, uh, light bars, rock lights, pods, wheel rings, mirrors with lights in them. If, if you can put a light in it or if it like works as a light, Infinite Off-Road has it, and they offer all listeners of the show a 10% off code with code ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S. I can't speak high enough, again, about their customer service and the selection of products. They also have everything from seats, wheels and tires, uh, hard parts, cages, everything you can think of available on their website. But that 25-year, you break it, they fix it warranty includes all Infinite Off-Road branded products, including their light whips. 
Another company I'd like to give a shout out to is our friends over at All Things UTV. Basically, everything that I've mentioned before, if it's not from there, you can get it from All Things UTV. That includes RS1 diffs, um, hard parts, suspension components, tie rods, you know, blow-off valves, performance accessories, tunes, anything you can think of that the other two companies may not have. All Things UTV is your one-stop shop for everything else. Um, one thing that I'm going to be looking at here soon, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but on Facebook, I've seen a lot of stuff about trees and limbs and stuff coming through the floorboard and saw one guy got actually impaled in his leg, which is a terrible thing. I hope he's doing well. But All Things UTV offers a solution to that. Um, it's just that firewall guard that's made of steel. They come color matched for free. Uh, and, and again, that's one of those random things that All Things UTV has you covered on. I would highly recommend you guys check them out for everything else you need for your side-by-side. -side. Doesn't matter, it doesn't have to be a razor. They carry uh, products for every single type of vehicle. And today on the show, we have Kurt from Slick Rock. Y'all, I have been... Uh, I've been really surprised at just how many people were excited about this one. Um, Slick Rock has a reputation that precedes himself. They do <laughs> amazing work uh, in their videos. They're always a good time. They build some very unique cars. We talk about those cars today, and we talk about the future of Slick Rock and how they've built the brand that they have uh, and where they're going to be. Shout out to Winrock coming up October. Um, check those guys out, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Kurt was awesome to talk with. And this guy's all business, but he's all in it for you guys. Um, he has just done an awesome job with the company, him and, uh, him and his partner as well. So without further ado, Kurt from Slick Rock. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us, and let's talk about racing on the rocks. Go ahead and get started. Uh, Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you. How, uh, yeah, man, I, I can tell you that just from the response that I have when I announced you guys are going to be on the show, um, you guys, you guys got it going on. I'm, I'm super stoked about this one and I know my listeners are as well. Um, first things first, tell me a little bit about yourself because, you know, for those who don't follow you guys closely, um, it's the the slick rock whole idea. You guys do everything, so people kind of have a hard time sometimes grasping what it is you guys do exactly because you guys do everything so well. Well, there, there's a there's a lot of misinformation out there, and um, slick rock started out four or five years ago. Um, uh, Jake and I co-owned slick rock together, Jake okay. Anderson, yeah. and. We started Slick Rock because we were building a lot of UTVs. We come from a rock crawling background. Mm -hmm. um, I built a lot of Jeeps, uh, a lot of two-frame stuff back in the day. And, um, honestly, I got into UTVs because I thought we had saved money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's awesome. We were kind of just getting to that point where the, you know, the Jeep rolled, you know, you were getting 58 grand into those things. And, and and it kind of lost its appeal to me, to be honest with you. They were getting so big and so capable that you kind of lose the uh, the wheeling aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the UTVs had a lot of appeal to me because they were it was harder to wheel. You had to had to really rely on your talents more than the machines. And we've kind of taken that the other way now. The machines are getting extremely capable. But when we started doing this, big tire cars were really hard. Um, Parts were inferior. There's a lot of garbage out in the marketplace, and mm -hmm. we were just spending a lot of money to get these up to another level. 
And so we were making some riding videos. We had kind of a local club going where, you know, a bunch of us would go out, we'd ride and we'd post videos. We had a page going. And so we started sharing information about the success that we had with certain parts, kind of what worked and what didn't work. And that's kind of the, the start of Slick Rock. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a startup and we were doing instructional videos and, you know, installation videos and reviews. And then, uh, then I met a man named Harold who owns Super ATV and I learned about portals. Yeah. And I knew that was going to be the next step that we wanted <laughs> to go. And he kind of laughed at us, to be honest with you. We told him we wanted to build rock cars on portals and they've been uh, kind of the mud scene for a long time. Yeah. And he, uh, luckily, he got behind us. He believed in us. He flew us out to Indiana. Um, we kind of told him our plan and he put some faith in us and kind of gave us a little bit of free reign. And it's just kind of evolved from there. But Slick Rock is um, a hobby business for Jake and I. Okay. Um, we both have full-time careers. Um, we do we do other things, and it's kind of gotten Slick Rock's gotten so big now it really consumes a lot of our lives, yeah. which is cool. Our wives are supportive, and um, we have a really good crew. And our boys Rory and Adam, we have admin guys and guys who ride with us every day. And without all those guys pitching in, it wouldn't be possible. But yeah. the Slick Rocks kind of turned out to be a big family of off-road enthusiasts, and our followers just kind of share that same thing. You know, it's we try to we answer about ten thousand questions a month. Oh we have a, a lot of interaction with the public out there, and we've turned our formula um, over the years to only providing good information and just positive, upbeat stuff. We don't get involved in drama. Yeah, you know, companies that have poor parts or things that are inadequate or we think they're overpriced or we don't talk about that kind of stuff. We just don't do business with them or we push them to be better. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just kind of been what, you know, the, the road that we've traveled. Yeah. So, so now that you, you know, our, our listeners kind of have an idea of what Slick Rock is and, and kind of how it, how it works. Um, tell me just a little bit about you because, you know, you mentioned you were into Jeeps. Um, that's what I did before I got into side-by-sides. Um, I built, I had a 2013 JK on coilovers and, you know, before I knew it, I was an extra fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 in my Jeep and it just got way over my head real fast and um, to be honest with you, I threw all that money at it and it still couldn't really do much of anything and uh, I had a buddy of mine who had, you know, some XP900s at the time and I went and got him one of those and you can crawl, you can go fast, you can do it all in one and it was just, it was great. And it was awesome. And uh, that's what kind of made that shift for me. So, uh, you know, how did you get into Jeeps? How did you get into the off-road world? How did it all start for you? I'm kind of that same world. So when I started building Jeeps, I mean, this was, boy, I mean, 20 years ago when I was a kid, I was yeah. building, building stuff like this. And I was just really into the fab work, to be honest with you. I enjoyed the shop time more than I did the wheeling time. Yeah. Um, making things work. Um, I, I was really into... You know, fuel injected, big blocks. I was into kind of the rock bounce world, the two frame stuff, yeah. the fabric, you know, solid axles and the end Rockwell axles and everything just kind of, kind of get, you know, you get bigger, you get bigger. And then you get to the point where you have this big $80,000 trailer queen yeah. and we pick it into Moab. They're slow. They're extremely capable on the rocks, but it's a one purpose rig. Yes, exactly. And at the time, that was cool because that was the purpose we were building for. But same thing, when I jumped into a UTV, I could go down and tear down five trails in a day. Yep. I could drive in between those trails. I could mountain ride. You could take it in and have dinner with your wife. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, there was just so much versatility to it. And they're fun to drive. They're yeah. fun to rally. Yeah, absolutely. So it seemed like just a natural 
had uh, my very first, I mean, we had rhinos back in the day we were building, and, yeah. you know, stuff that we were trying to make capable that was literally impossible. But when we were going down that road, I had a really expensive Jeep in the shop. The last one that I built, I haven't built one since. And it sat there and collected dust for a year while I built UTVs. Man. I'm just like, well, I knew this is the road I was going to go. But I've been a, I've been an off-road guy my whole life. Yeah. I'm, I've been to the rock crawling a lot. I mean, that's slick rock, obviously. That's kind of our, our forte. But mm-hmm. we do ride, you know, as well. We mountain ride a lot. Yeah, you guys are in the area to do a little bit of everything, which is awesome. But before yeah. before I go there, um, did you? I, I always ask this question because I think it's just very interesting. Did you find yourself hesitant to like move into the side by side and UTV world? I find a lot of guys who are in the full size world, there's a like reluctance to kind of switch over. Yeah, and there is a weird disconnect in between. And I, I believe this is everything in life. If you're a Harley guy, you don't like the bullet bike guys. Yeah. If you're a Dodge guy, you don't like the Chevy guys or whatever. You know, there's there's some um, impasse that happens in between groups. And we were all Jeep guys for so long when the side by sides came out, they were annoying to us. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Trail and they buzz by you fast, and then there's still that conflict that goes on. But at the end of the day. We're all off-road enthusiasts, and I don't care whether you're a mountain biker, I don't care if you're a dirt biker, a Jeep guy, a UTV guy, whatever takes you to the outdoors and makes you, you know, chase your passion, have a good time, I'm for that, yeah. you know, and I don't, but there, there was that a little bit, just because we all, you know, I was that same guy, we made fun of him for a while, Yeah. I'm like, oh, they're, they're cute, look at the little baby machine, it's like the Barbie Hot Wheels car, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of made that jump over. Uh, what was the first UTV, you know, what was that car that you sat in? You're like, all right, this is this is where we're going next. What what model was that? Uh, Razor S. Um, oh, first man. Time I bought an 800 Razor S. Um, believe it or not, when I got 32s on that thing, um, I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> wow. That's huge yeah. for that. That, that car can, was never made for that. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and I, that was the longest, um, that is the only car I've ever had that I've sold. We've collected them over the years, uh-huh. we have a fleet of them. Um, but my daughter put 4,000 miles on that thing, followed me around over the rocks. Wow. I just sold that six months ago. It, probably the most reliable vehicle I've ever had was that, that car. But wow. that was the uh, that was the one that, they, they were low, they were stable, they were wide. Um, they didn't articulate very well, there wasn't a lot of great components for that car uh-huh. but it was really reliable and stable and it was just a blast of wheel do you think but it was that, it was reliable because it didn't have the power to break the parts yeah I, okay. I think that i think it had a couple i mean it was a good platform i mean there's still a ton of those out there that Laris yeah. kind of had a really good design with those but like you said they were they were low horsepower you couldn't really get into a lot of trouble with them and mm-hmm. They didn't break a lot of stuff for that reason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you you have your 800s, and you guys, you know, um, fundamentally, you as a you, I'm gonna include you, and I'm gonna say kind of like the group. Y'all kind of moved towards the side by side. You know, you had the discussion with the portals. You know, how soon after the 800s, you know, were you in contact with Super ATV, and and, and how did that whole process start for you? Um, the 800s I had for a couple of years. Um, as soon as um, the thousands came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. So they were they were longer wheelbase, obviously a lot more articulation. Um, portals actually came out years before that. There was a, a kind of an inferior company that designed them first, 
they were a chain drive system and they, oh, were, wow. they were garbage yeah <laughs> so everything I read on the internet about them was just terrible yeah you get on it you start googling them people had problems they were hard to get parts for they leave you stranded mm. and when um, when I was learning about Super ATV portals I was really hesitant because Super ATV had a reputation at the time for making a lot of that stamped out a lot of garbage. Yeah. And they, they were a huge company, but um, we used to kind of refer to them as the Walmart of the UTV world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and so when I met Harold, and they were kind of in this transition at that point where they were trying to be, to do a lot better than they were. They were investing a lot of money in their R&D and in their equipment. They were expanding. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of a timing thing. And since then, you know, over the years, we fly out there a few times a year. Mm -hmm. um, we're in conference calls and contacts with them, you know, weekly, if not daily on a lot of stuff. And we do a lot of R and D for them. They take a lot of our information and they incorporate that into the parts that we build. Uh, they send us a lot of stuff to, to test out. And mm -hmm. they have really tried to, uh, to raise that bar of quality for what they're building. So the unique thing about super ATV is aside from the biggest company in the world in the UTV world, they offer free shipping and lifetime warranty on virtually everything. Man. And so if you're going to do that, you really need to be the company that does it better than everybody else. Yeah, for sure. You know, because uh, anytime you're shipping out free parts, you're losing money. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, we played a big role with them. And, and the guy who owns that, he's a, he's in his 70s, and he's an absolute stud. He's a, <laughs> one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. But he, uh, when you sit and talk to this guy... He just uh, he has no intention of retiring. He just wants to be the best. And, That's awesome. You know, and when when we brought portals to the rock crawling world, he was just super excited because I mean it was he just he likes innovation. He likes watching the UTVs go to another world. And he kind of comes from a swampland out there. Mm -hmm. They were building you know stuff with snorkels on it where they could bury it in the mud and dry. But he just likes. He likes the innovation and watching the machines go, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, you know, that's a talking point all on its own. It's just the fact that, you know, a lot of times people, I feel like, miss the fact that the United States is so incredible because it has every kind of terrain that you could imagine all around the world, except for, like, maybe the Arctic, you know, <laughs> depending on where you go and who you ask. But, yeah, we have that here, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, we have everything, and it's so it's so cool to me, you know, as someone who, who runs a, a national show, you know, I talk to people from all over the country, and everybody builds their machines, you know, for their environment, which, of course, you know, duh, they want to be the best in their environment, but there's... there's so much, you know, there's just polarizing differences based on what the purpose is. And it's just, it's just so cool because, you know, if I brought my machine out to, you know, Utah, I would have significant difficulties. Whereas, you know, the endurance style racing that we do uh, in the Southeast, you know, if you brought your portal machine over, you could hang, but it definitely wouldn't be the ideal situation, I feel like. And, and maybe that's a discussion, you know, too, you know, how hard have you guys pushed these things and, how would you think that your machines would fare, you know, across the country on any given terrain, you know? Well, we're in the middle of, uh, of testing that theory now. So a year ago, um, we couldn't have these same conversations because we were getting a bit of blowback from across the country. Mm -hmm. um, as Slick Rock got bigger and, and our following got large, um, we'd get called out by a lot of folks, you know what I mean? And, sure. and honestly, the only guys who really don't is the mud guys. Yeah. And, I mean, their cars are built very specific and mm -hmm. we build mud too you know and but you know the guys in the midwest you know their their riding style is different mm -hmm. the dune guys are different the, the desert guys are different the baja guys 
and so we decided that um, as we were building cars, I mean, we felt like we were specifically building them for rock crawling and trail riding around here. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with it. We called it the Universal Platform. We bought a new Dynamax four-seater, and this was a car. Um, we did a bunch of videos on it. I wanted to build a car that I could put mud tires on, street tires on, paddles on, and have a big, heavy car that would just do anything and excel at everything. Yeah. So we, we started doing kits um, with some of our sponsors where we were trying to get the cost as low as possible so anybody could enjoy these kits. And we have a, the last video we put out of that car before I modified it, went another direction with it. Um, we have a bunch of these universal cars now. Uh-huh. They, we took it to the dunes. And bear in mind, this is a 3,000-pound portal car. It's huge. Yeah. And it, it rolls on 40s right now. This thing would fly through. I have 15, 16 videos of it out there flying 15, 20 feet in the air at the dunes. It takes the whoops at 60 miles an hour. Man. It takes the high mountain speeds. It rock rolls like you wouldn't believe. It is truly a universal car. So, I think that car will take anything you can throw at it. So what, you know, for those who are going to listen to this later and, and are going to go back in your Facebook and your Instagram and look, what car, what does that car look like so that those who can look it up later will have an idea of which car it is? It's a big red and black four-seater. You it's can't big, miss it. Oh, yeah. No, I see it right now. Yeah, that's a, that is a gigantic machine right now. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> we, we get five or six of them along that same line, and we kind of run 35-inch tires. That's our go-to size. Wow. It's for rock crawling, center point balance. That seems to be the uh, the formula that works. But we're, uh, we're dabbling with long travel now, four-wheel steering, 40-inch tires. Wow. We're, we're going to take all that to the next level. Okay, I'm going to table what you just said because I would like to come back to it. But you, you talked earlier about, you know, Super ATV, you know, going from, you know, a uh, – a more mass production, the Walmart of the parts, because when I first got into it, um, I, I think that that was the feel, and that was you know years ago when that when I was in there, 2010, 11, it seemed like, um, you know, now that they've moved to that mindset of more quality parts, um, you know, have they changed all of their parts? Because uh, Super ATV has the you know I would assume call it like the entry level you know A arm system and entry level parts, which are obviously going to be a little bit cheaper. Um, did they reinforce those parts just the same as they did with their more high-end, like, you know, box day arms and things like that? Yeah, so when, when this, this is a little complicating because I don't have all the information. Sure, yeah. No, 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 I mean, rephrase it like this. Nobody's going to hold you, you know, hold you to your word here because if you're pulling well, something out of your hat. The hard parts I know everything about. Mm-hmm. So when, when we sat down with them the first time at the round table, I was very specific with them. I will not lie. Mm-hmm. And the thing that keeps Slick Rock, um, our integrity in place, is we don't sell parts. Okay. And I will not lie about parts. If we don't promote anything. We're not running anything we don't believe in. Yeah, absolutely. So everything that we do for any company out there, we have 70 or 80 sponsors. We have people who send us parts all the time. We test a lot of stuff. If I don't believe in it, if we think it's overpriced, if we think that it's an inferior part, we won't have anything to do with it. And so, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that's made, and, and some things that we run we just don't talk about. I mean, yeah. I don't do, you know, videos on light bars or, yeah. you know, the new plastic roof coming out. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. That's, that. <laughs> and, and so as far as that kind of stuff goes, um, that world is a, you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, as a, 
there's a lot of light bar companies out there that make extremely nice light bars. I run whatever the cheapest is on Amazon because I'm going to roll my car and I'm going to break it. I'm going to put another one on there. Yeah. And, and, and so, I mean, there's there's some of that stuff I don't know. But as far as their hard parts go, you know, their ball joints, their A-arms, mm-hmm. traded arms, radius rods, diffs, all those kind of things, everything there has to be the top. It has to be the best. You know, and their philosophy is the same. Their R&D is the same. We run all those kind of parts for them. And like I said, when you have lifetime warranty, you have to keep your game up. You yeah. have to be the best. And that was their goal. They've uh, they've doubled in size in the last two years. Their facility, their employees, um, the machinery they have. I think they just bought six new CNC cutters. Ooh. I mean, they've invested twenty million dollars, I believe, just in, in machinery in the last year to keep up with the demand of, wow. of what's going on. But their R and D is really important to them, and it's important to us. And I was very clear with them, and they were very clear with me as well. This is the road that we're going to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's best for the industry. It's best for reputation. And I believe that the reputation of the last two years has done a complete 180. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. I can't tell you, you know, for our regular listeners of the show will know that uh, it's a pretty regular topic here. Is we, we go through part lists with uh, all the drivers that get on here. And just to, you know, I feel like axles and A-arms are the two that people talk about more than anything else. Um, And the reputation of the Rhino axles, you know, is amazing because I've had, I've had two people individually, um, Dustin Robbins over at uh, All Things UTV and uh, uh, Hubert Rowland from Nitro Circus. Both of them are so confident in the axles that they will run them in King of Hammers. They'll run them every single race. And uh, that says a lot for people, especially Dustin, someone who beats the tar out of his machine. Um, you know, for him to have that confidence in those parts, that's incredible. I know Travis Skelton in the Southern Rock Racing Series is now running Super ATV um, suspension components, and you know that's that's a big statement on its own. I mean, I definitely think that you know the Super ATV parts are making a stand, especially here in the last six months in the Southeast. That those parts are ones that you know are that they're the cross between okay I can actually afford this and these parts aren't going to break on me. Right, and again, that that's been our whole appeal with Super ATV because you know it's like you know I run stuff of CT Raceworks makes phenomenal Can Am stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I run HCR parts. Mm-hmm. Um, those two companies come right at the top of my name when it comes to the best of the best. Yep. And and when I think about that, and the price margin is more. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And and when I when I think about what is the best out there and what is the best bang for the buck, those are two different worlds. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And so our goal has been to get Super ATV to be in those top names of the best of the best, but be affordable. Yeah. And when we put any company along that way, I mean, there's there's so many parts out there that are phenomenal, but it's so much money that it's just it's not available to the 97 percent of the marketplace and. 95% of the people out there who own a utility, uh, a UTV, they finance them. Yeah. Um, they have a monthly payment on them. They budget what they're gonna, their upgrades are. Um, we talk to these people day in and day out. We have mm-hmm. for years. And price means something. And so out of that 10,000 questions a month that we get, um, we pride ourselves in responding to everybody. And if when we put posts out, we show up to events. People from all over this country know us. We talk to them. We help them. But there is no, my biggest personal pet peeve in life is the hands down bullshit. Mm-hmm. Somebody online, you know, jumps on and says, hey, 
what's the X axle, best axle? Mm-hmm. And people just jump in there, you know, I mean, tires are a huge one for me. People are like, oh, yeah, I want yeah. a really good set of tires, what do I buy? And you got 50 dealers on there trying to sell them something. Yes, yes. If you call me or you PM me, ask me what tire you should buy, I'm going to ask you first off what your budget is. Yep. Second off, what your car weighs. Third, the terrain that you ride. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of questions in there. You need to ask somebody before you can make a recommendation to them. Yeah. And it isn't about selling parts, it's about getting people what they need for their application. It's different, you know? Yeah, and, and I think that that's, you know, that just ties in right on board with the, the success that you guys have had because when you take that 10 minutes, 15 minutes it takes to answer somebody's question, you know, just between between two people and, and give them a specific answer like that, not only are they going to have a better idea of what they actually need, um, they're also going to appreciate you for that because if you know if I didn't know anything and you came up or I found you guys and asked you and you had that back and forth with me, I would be so that's so much more trustworthy than somebody just shooting off. Hey, I have a you know I'm running a special on these tires at this price. They're going to be the best for you. Okay, like that's that's a cheap answer. I feel like. Yeah, and this is this is the exact reason why Slickboard doesn't sell parts. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Case in point, uh, there's a guy, a local guy in Utah, um, I didn't know him before, but he reached out to me, he was building um, our universal build platform. He asked me for a parts list of everything he's going to need, so I sent it to him. And then he went to a local shop, um, that's a couple hours away from me, and he came out with his new car, sent me pictures of it, it was about half of what we told him to build. Nice. And I was retarded and mad, <laughs> so I called this guy up, the guy in the shop, and I'm like, dude, I gave you a very specific formula. He's like, yeah, but we don't have any margins in that stuff. He's like, so we went this way. Oh. But, well, that's that's how you mess somebody up. I'm like, so he's got parts of his car, and I mean stuff that just isn't going to work with that build, you know? And, yeah. You know, when you're going to make cars that big and that heavy, we've done a lot of R&D figuring this stuff out. Yeah. And there's certain parts that don't play well together. There's just things that work and don't work. And, and But his whole point was... I run a shop, I have a mortgage to pay, I have a family support, we're going to sell what we have margins in. I understand that, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's part of business. But on the flip side, if I'm sending you a customer, if somebody came in and I gave them a very specific build, yeah. don't, don't turn your customer's mind, you know what I mean? Yeah, because absolutely. Because margin. And so that, that's just kind of where we engage in that stuff. And there's plenty of shops out there that I'm sure just hate us because of that. <laughs> but it is what it is, you know? I mean, you know, I, I would think, you know, if I'm a shop owner and, and the Slick Rock team sends me a build sheet, okay, I may not make as much money if I sold these parts over here, but if I can, you know, make this customer a repeat customer or recommend, like, someone who recommends me, you know, clients, or right. if I can get on the good side of Slick Rock, why would you not do that, you know? Yeah, my philosophy is the same, and 90% of the people out there are like that. Yeah. We don't have near the... Uh, we had, you know, a few years ago, the people who would, uh, I'm not going to say trash talk, mm-hmm. they would just, everybody just had an opinion yeah. that, you know, and just because you ran a certain part and you didn't have any problems with it doesn't mean it's the best. Yeah. Or just because, you know, your uncle or your brother, you know, had some good luck with something, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. You know, and it's, to me, you got to run 10,000 parts, you got to be driving all the time. You gotta have a bunch of cars you're trying stuff on. It takes a lot of work to do R and D properly. Yes, yes it does. You can't just pull something on and go do your writing style and think that it's gonna work out, you know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and so that, that kinda I mean that, that opens up a great chance here um, to talk kinda about, you know, the R and D that you guys do, the places you guys go ride. You said you're based in Utah, but you know, just yeah. if anybody scrolls through your social media, they'll see that you ride everywhere. You know, you're definitely not just a local Utah guy who goes to Moab and comes back home and, and does the, you know, that's their homework. 
Um, where do you guys, where all do you guys ride? Let me just start there. So in, in Utah, um, Utah is a very unique place as far as what it has to offer riding here. Um, we live in northern Utah. Mm-hmm. We're about 30 miles from the Idaho border. Mm-hmm. And so up here, it's high elevation, big pine mountains, um, pretty rugged mountains up here. Outside of my backyard here, um, we snowmobile out of my yard. And That's there awesome. Is, there is 5,000 miles of trails that you can just drive to from here that are they're just fun as can be. Yeah. And then we have Moab, which is four hours away from us. We're down there frequently, as I'm sure everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And Moab is the mecca of off-roading. I mean, that's just as fun as can be. Um, Sand Hollow is in southern Utah. We ride down there a lot. Yeah. Idaho, we ride a lot, a lot of mountain riding up there. Yep. We hit the dunes in Idaho. We hit the dunes in Utah a lot. So that's kind of our, our playground of where we go the most mm-hmm. is those areas. But we travel all over the place to ride. Um, we do a lot of events. Um, we got the Windrock thing coming up next month. It's huge. Yeah. I would imagine we'll meet a fifteen or 20,000 new people down there. Are you guys going for the fall jamboree? No, we're doing our own thing. Okay, cool, cool, cool. There's some local groups out there that um, we have a really big following in that five-state area out there. Yeah. And there are some, just some badass folks out there. And we yeah. promised them last year we'd come out there and ride with them, and we failed. Mm-hmm. We had some, some scheduling conflicts. And so we're going to make the uh, trip out there and try to take over Windrock and Brimstone and just have a, have a big weekend out there yeah that's uh that's awesome man i'll, I'll tell you um we my my collective little friend group we ride with we'll do eight hours one way camp and then we'll do eight hours back um you know or eight hours you know what seems like eight hours one way and then just turn around and hit it all in one day um yeah. there's so much out there and i know y'all know that and i know y'all got the plan going um y'all are gonna have the best time i'm curious and maybe we'll do a follow-up episode you know after you come back how does winrock compare to the other places you've been because as someone who has never been to the west coast to go you know side by side riding um i i just want to know you know not only what which one is more fun or how are they different or things like that but you know what would we need compared to the east coast to go west coast and be prepared for you know what the terrain has to offer certainly do a follow-up with you on that because I've never personally been to Windrock. I've, uh, I've watched a lot of videos out there and it looks like a, you know, a little tighter mountain riding, uh-huh. trail rock and it, it looks like, it kind of looks like northern Utah to me. Really? And, uh, we have a lot more pines here, uh-huh. but terrain looks a lot similar to me. One thing about Windrock that I've always noticed is that um, everything is so narrow. Um, well, I take that back. You know, that was, that was in the early days of side-by-sides before side-by-sides really got a hold of the trails. Um, they're definitely a lot wider now, but um, there's normally always a bypass, but you'll always run up on a mud hole. Sometimes it's deeper than you think for sure. Uh, and, and definitely make sure you guys have a good GPS system because everything starts to look the same after a while. Um, and also, I'm sure you guys know all this and this for our listeners too, uh, TWRA, um, if you guys are going to ride the connecting land, just make sure that you guys have a, a high impact license from TWRA. Because I've heard, uh, especially in the past month or so, maybe it's because hunting season has kind of reared its head, but uh, I know that um, they TWRA has been out there giving people tickets on the trail, um, and I think it's like a hundred fifty dollar ticket if you don't have the day pass or you know the week pass, whatever. Um, yeah, so I think uh, Jake and I had a conversation about the other day. We had some guys reaching out to us to, mm-hmm. to get that resolved before we got out there, and then. As far as the GPS goes, there's a man out there named Chris Hyde. Yep. Lifetime Trail Maps. Yeah. 
He's a he's my guide while we're out there. Uh, man, you you got it, you got it made. Yeah, I, I hear he knows every rock out there in every every corner. So yeah, that's a that's a good man to have lead your way for sure. Yeah, for sure. Should be good. So you know that being said, have you been to the East Coast? Uh, like not necessarily a rock, but been to the East Coast before? No. Okay. No East Coast. We've never been to so. Um, we haven't been on that side of the Mississippi to ride yet. Wow, that's I'm excited. I, I will definitely have to do a follow up with you then because um, I'm really excited to hear what you think. And uh, I, I guess we can kind of talk a little bit more because you know you mentioned you guys hit the dunes, you guys hit you know the rock crawling, and you guys hit the mountain trails. Uh, which one of those three is your favorite? You mentioned Moab earlier, but you know I'm sure they're all a little different. But which one, if you had your choice, where are you going to go? For me personally, I'm a rock crawler. Okay. Um, that, that's in my DNA. There is nothing I love more than crazy lines and rock crawling. Um, amongst our group, our crew, um, I would imagine that probably mountain riding is probably the preferred. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake and I are kind of rock junkies. Yeah. There's something about that that just, I know, I've, everything I've ever built in my life has been based around that. And mm-hmm. I have never had a bad day in Moab. You that's can't awesome. I mean, it's, it's like Disneyland for a kid, you know, and so that's my personal favorite. I would I would think that mountain riding is what we do the most of, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times, you know, we, we have a, a pretty decent-sized group of guys we ride with, and we can't be together all the time. We do a lot of events, and we have to break up, and the mountain riding seems to be what we hit the most of them. Yeah, yeah. But it's the most, it's the most accessible. I mean, there's just, there's tens of thousands of trails around here and mm-hmm. we do a lot of group rides and the scenery around here is just unbelievable yeah. and, and, I, and I do love mountain riding and I love snow riding I've got into that the last couple of years the cars have got big and I'm a big snowmobiler uh-huh. where I live, but I love UTVing in the winter time is it just horsepower I mean for snow I mean is horsepower the name of the game Horsepower and big tires. Horsepower and big tires, all right. Rangers don't get stuck till you get them high center. That's That's true. So if you can run 40s and and big tires and three feet of snow isn't much to these things at that point, you can cover a lot of ground in the snow. So let me ask you this. What does it take to run 40s on a Razor? Tell me, you know, okay, I've got a stock machine, not stock, but I've got a fairly built machine drivetrain-wise. What does it take to get a 40 under my Razor and, you know, do I need... Special custom plates for portals, things like that. How does that entire process work? So the portal kits, forties uh, are best with a forty-five percent reduction or better. So like a six-inch portal is a forty-five percent reduction. Um, like big red, I'm st- and my shop right now staring at it. It's mm-hmm. got a super ATV long travel arms on it, so it's the same as a Turbo S. Okay. Um, Width-wise, but it's got boxed A arms on it. It's got a, a reinforcement plate under the front A arms. So you can't pull the, the frame tabs off if you hit something. Very nice. I got box trading arms, heavy-duty radius rods, portals, and axles, and that's really it. Okay. That's There's pretty no amazing. Lift no lift kit on it. The portal is all the lift, the six inches of lift. Wow. That's amazing yeah. that it, it, it's, it, you know, it sounds so easy. I'm sure it's not as easy as it's, you know, you're making it out to be in terms of, like, actually getting everything squared away. But, man, that build, the, the parts you would need, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, so our universal build that we did with Super ATV is five thousand bucks. That's so, nuts. So we, when we started doing this um, a few years ago, when we were building portal cars, we were getting somewhere between that ten and fifteen thousand dollar range mm-hmm. just in parts to get them to take big tires. Yeah. Man. So when we, we sat down with Super ATV and we're like, we want to build a universal platform, same formula. We have this formula. We build it with those guys, and we want it affordable. 
And so we uh, we scratched our heads. We went through the, the motions on it. They gave up some margins on it. Yeah. And the uh, so for box day arms, um, box trailing arms, seventy seventy five radius rods, tie rod ends, four inch portals, and rhino axles, and a reinforcement plate is five thousand bucks. That's all you need right there. So every, you can build everything you need for a universal wow. build without wheels and tires yeah. for five thousand bucks. That's so awesome. I put you into a portal car, basically with wheels and tires, you can be six grand, sixty five hundred bucks for a very capable machine that rolls on porters. That's amazing. That uh, is... when, when you think about you know the amount of money spent on stuff and this is the amazing thing to me is like we get we have some of our cars we're into seventy, eighty thousand dollars yeah. ridiculous, you know. But for an actual car that you want to use you know, it's like all I need is a universal build and a good cage, and I'm yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's good. Man, that's just—I'm sitting here kind of in shock at all that you guys have like gotten it reduced down to that price. Because when I th- when I see that car, I think to myself, man, you know, that's a chunk of change right there, and that's you know, five grand. Don't get me wrong, five grand is five grand, but uh, it's definitely a lot less than I would think it would take to get there. Yeah, I have a Can Am sitting in here that I have eighty five thousand dollars into, and it isn't any more capable. Woo, son! I, we're going to come down to that, you know, that that realm of, you know, when some of these cars that we build, the show cars, I mean, alligator seats with heaters and edge and air conditioning. Yeah, you can get three four thousand dollars in the stereos. You get a couple grand in custom wraps on them, and there's another five grand and everything being powder coated, color matched and going through. I mean, it really starts to pattern up after a while, you know? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. What is a three and $4,000 stereo? Like what, what is the difference between somebody going to go buy, you know, one of those overhead pieces or, you know, like a, I, I'm not a big music guy when I ride, so I don't right. forgive my ignorance. Uh, but no, you know, I'm, like, I'm not either. I'm with you. Okay. So, perfect. I don't know about them, but I don't really care either. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the razor I have right now, the race car, it has speakers on there because the person who bought it before me bought them, and that's great. Good news for me. Um, but, uh, you know, w- w- what does a $4,000 stereo system, you know, what's the difference between that and, you know, a $700, $600 system that someone can buy? It really just depends on what you're into. So, um, my Can-Am's got like a $3,800 stereo in it, uh-huh. and it absolutely rocks. I mean, it's, it's really cool. Um, it, it's a hodgepodge stereo kit that we got from a company out of Arizona, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's really like you get in there and turn that thing up, and it sounds like you're in a rock concert. That's amazing. The whole car vibrates. I mean, it's and it's cool, but it's not really my forte either, right. you know. Yeah. And then you know, Rockford Fosgate and SSB both sponsor us, and if I call SSB up and they send me a head unit, two pods, and an amp, I'm totally cool. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 your four to seven hundred dollars system is is one of those. Yeah. And for me personally, I like to listen to music when I'm driving down the road. Yeah. I mean that's cool, but I don't need to be rocked out my machine either. You know. Yeah, that's man. I, especially here in the southeast, I'm sure you guys run into it as well. But you'll hear somebody drive by, you know, in their in their one thousand, and they've got. I mean, it's deafening level of music, and I just that blows my mind that that that's enjoyable to any like any. Maybe I'm maybe I'm old. I'm 24. Maybe I'm just an old soul. But man, I'm I'm 44, so I know I am. (laughs) (laughs) But man, I just can't imagine trying to ride down the trail and having something so loud that I can't even hear my engine. You know? Yeah. You know, it is. It kind of just kind of. It's just kind of what you're into, you know. Yeah, what I mean? to eat your own, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, we, we've uh, we've traveled down south, and the mud guys down there, these guys have big portal motor riz. I mean, they have portals and lift kits, forty-four plus 
six-inch tires on them. Yeah. Stereo systems that would just annihilate a whole park if you were too close to it. And yeah. they're cool. And yeah. These guys get a lot of money to them, and they pull out, they ride the mud holes, and they go out with all their friends, and they post up, turn on the music, and have a good time. And like, I'm totally, I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's all kinds of stuff that, you know, that different worlds out there and genres that, you know, and, and we, we don't have to get it all. That's the joy of it all. Yeah. You know, like, we, we try to build everything so we have a really good understanding of, of all the components. Mm -hmm. But, like, I've never understood the mud world at all just because I hate cleaning shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what it comes down to for me is, like, Preach, every man. time we go play in the mud, I have a ball. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking about the power wash times and the wiping everything down and getting all the mud back out. Oh, my gosh, you're so and, right. You know? But if you grew up in a place where that was, uh, you lived in the swampland, you were, you had, like, the Alabama, Louisiana thing going on down mm -hmm. there, that's just kind of what they do. Yeah. You know? and, they probably look at us up here on these rocks doing stupid shit. They're like, he's kind of retarded. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, man. You're probably right. So let me ask you this. We talked a little bit about tires. Um, I know that you guys have recently come out with a, you know, a, a, like kind of a slick rock branded or, you know, y'all are tied to the Super ATV tire. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's a, and I'm looking at the specs here on it. Um, it's a 35 inch um, by 10 by 15 um, tell me a little bit more about that tire because, you know, I have some follow-up questions from the previous version of that tire and, you know, what makes this one so, so special? So, um, there's a lot of R&D in this tire and when you get into the 35 inch world, just this year, a whole bunch of companies, um, have jumped on the heels of this mm -hmm. and there's a lot of 35s that are out now, but two years ago, the only thing that was close was a rock tape. Yep. It was made by uh, STI. They were a 34. Yep. And that's that was my go-to tire for a long, long time. Really? And I wanted a 35 on a 15. And we started making that tire. And the uh, so the 34-inch Warrior came out first. Yep. And and that tire is really cool, except it was in a 14-inch wheel. And if you're going to run portals, you can run portals with a 14-inch wheel, but the portal is so close to the inside of the wheel. Mm -hmm. If you get rocks or debris in there, it'll literally just start chewing on your wheel. Yeah. And so a 15 cleans itself out a little bit better. And so I wanted it in a 15. Uh, I wanted it to weigh a certain weight. And the problem is, is there's no universal tire in the world. Yeah. This is the, the magic remedy, probably the question we get asked the most. And so if you get a tire that's really good in the rocks, it's usually because it's a soft rubber compound. Right. Something sticky and something that grabs. If you take that soft rubber compound, you put it on the street, it chunks out and wears out prematurely because it's soft. Mm -hmm. If you get a hard rubber compound, something that lasts a long time, something that'll take a little bit more abuse, they're usually poor on the rocks. Yeah. And so what we went after with that tire is a three-stage lug design where you run a little harder rubber compound mm -hmm. than a sticky, and the lugs would actually flex a little bit when you were on the rocks mm -hmm. to get it to bite, but the rubber compound would keep it so it would last for a long time. Mm -hmm. The other thing we wanted was a, a round-top tire so it had good manners on the street, mm -hmm. and it has to be the rubber compound is extremely important when you make a tire. If you get it too soft, if you have it wrong, it gets a lot of memory in it. Mm -hmm. it, it feels like an egg. You know, like you get your machine, it's been sitting for a day. Yeah. You got to drive it for a mile before it quits hopping and, and wobbling out. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I've never understood why that happens, and that makes perfect sense. Uh, it's all it's all in the compound on them. And a super soft tire gets it a lot worse. Yeah, for the sure. The bold you have at the bottom of your tire, it sits there, has memory in it. Takes a little while to get out, but that tire, we wanted something that was big. We wanted it to be round top so it wasn't taken out. Steering is a big problem when you get into portal cars. Yeah. You can spend a lot of money in steering, and 
if you set these cars up right, you have the right wheel offsets, you have the right tires, it's really not a big deal. But so many guys, this is where they, you know, and we've done it too. We did it for years. You bump into problems. You have the wrong offset wheels, wrong tires, flat tops, wrong rubber compounds, wrong geometry. Mm-hmm. Everything starts wearing out prematurely. Yeah. So that, that tire just complemented the, uh, the universal build platform that we were doing. Um, 35s are our go-to tire, and we, we just had a lot to do with that tire. So, so uh, there's there's so many questions I have off of what you just said because it's you had just shoveled so inf- so much information there. I love it. Uh, so the first one is uh, what ply is this tire? It's an A ply. Okay, so it is an A ply, which is awesome. Um, the the previous tire, um, I I think I, I saw it ran a couple times in the in like a Southeast Rock Bouncer race, um, and and uh, shout out to Wesley Gatlin. Um, he was the only one to climb a hill. I think it was when they first came out. And he climbed it. It was great. Um, but I think he climbed it and he had like three flats by the time he was done. Um, what, what was it? Is it just the fact that it's a soft tire and you have that trade off there? Or, or you no, know, I, I think a lot of it's bad luck to be honest with okay. you. Yeah. So, so it, here's the wonderful thing about tires. I got some buddies, uh, King of the Hammer guys out there. Um, I'll give a big shout out to my boy Aversi as well. Okay. He's an absolute stud. But when you're running King of the Hammers, if you build a car, properly build a car that will take the abuse of that, mm-hmm. that can drive through that, the chances of you getting kicked out of that race by bad luck are huge. Yeah, I agree. And you know, there's times that we've just been driving in the mountains, and you just you, you take out a sidewall, you just hit something right, you hit a rock just right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No tire is puncture proof. Agreed. I, I have some of the tires in my shop here that claim to be puncture proof. I'm here to tell you they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, and when you're being really aggressive and you're driving aggressive and you're in an aggressive terrain, sometimes shit just happens. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I, I don't, there's, I have a white car sitting in the corner of my shop here. It's my first build. It's a 16. Mm-hmm. And I've got a ton of miles in that car. I have never, ever broken axle or taken a tire out on that car. Man. It's just good luck. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, right? and I, I feel you too because I think I've blown like a stock tire before but you know i'm one of those people again that i i i can get up to the top of the hill but i'm not going to get up there you know pedal to the floor and and make a big show of it and i typically have good life out of my tires good life out of my axles um i can run stock axles for a real long time without having too much of an issue um but you know i I agree with you it definitely is all in the all in the driver and how you're going to pretty much abuse the machine and and the reason i ask that is just because um i think I, you know, if I've ever seen anyone online or anything like that or any experienced uh, people, they, the, the warning that comes with those Super ATV tires is just, hey, keep in mind the sidewall. And hearing, you know, that you guys have had good experience with, uh, especially your tires, um, that's encouraging because, you know, I, I personally got up, got to touch those tires and got to feel them. And I would run those every day of the week because they seem like the perfect cross between there's enough lug space there's enough tread gap there's enough depth um but the 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 blocks are just i'm sitting here looking at it it's such an interesting design because they're just they're close enough where you're going to get that close tread pattern but they're far enough where they're going to clean out well and it's going to be it's far enough they clean out and they don't grab rocks they don't throw them exactly exactly like that that's a there's, there's a lot of there's a lot more into that tread design than, than meets the eye. You right. know what I mean? When you stop and look at it, the stage lug pump, you know, is the, the thing that's the coolest. That was the big difference. The compound's different than it was in the 34 inch war, the original. Mm-hmm. 
but the lug pattern, the stage lug pattern is a really big deal. Yeah. So Jake and I went down. So Rockzilla makes the, or um, Maxis makes a tire called the Rockzilla. Mm-hmm. And we ran those two tires head to head because the Rockzilla is one badass rock tire. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's a 35 inch tire. It comes in a 14. That was the only thing I really didn't like about it. Mm-hmm. But it's such a soft rubber compound. You can take the lugs and fold it down onto the tire. Yeah, you sure can. Really and we took, um, we went down to Moab and two identical turbo S's that we built, put a set of Warriors on one, Auxilas on the other, and we went, we just kept swapping out machines on every obstacle. Uh-huh. And the Warrior tire has got a harder rubber compound, but those two tires are almost identical in the rocks. Okay. But everything else the Warrior was better on. Okay. Like like the Rockzilla, I'm taking nothing away from my tire. I still run them. Mm-hmm. I like them. It's a phenomenal rock tire. They're hard as hell when you're steering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and are. They chunk out and they wear out prematurely, but it's because it's a flat top tire. Yep. And when you're designing a tire, like I've tried to do some business with Maxis over the years, they've literally given me like ten different reps, mm-hmm. and every time I start getting headway with them, a new guy calls me. I nice. start over, nice. and I'm just I'm, I'm done with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I would have loved to have some input on that tire, but it just it didn't work out. Yeah, and but, and so as as someone who has run those tires before. Um, I actually ran them for about, you know, four or five rides and I noticed how soft, uh, that premature wear was. I was running blocks off pretty quick. Um, and, and it seems the more people I've talked to, it seems like the deeper you get into the actual block, this, they seem to have a little bit more life as you go down on the block. But that exactly what you just said about the steering is the reason I got rid of them. Um, you know, if you, if you move quick at all, or you're trying to do something mid, you know, mid, mid line or what have you, uh, yeah, they're pretty, they, they will complain. They will definitely put yeah, some they're, feedback. They're 50% harder to turn than a, uh, than a regular tire is. It's like a solid 50%. Is it just the tread, you know, the flat top plus the fact that the blocks on the side are just ridiculously large? It, is, is that what it is? It's the flat top and the soft rubber compound. Yeah. That's amazing. That's absolutely so flat, amazing. Flat top tires are, we, we learned this, um, years ago we were running truck tires. Mm-hmm. That's really what's, you know, prior, I mean, before the 34 inch rock tank came out, if you want to run a 35 inch tire, you bought a truck tire. Right. We bought, you know, we were doing Toyos and BFGs and all that kind of stuff. But trucks are kind of a, flat top tire mm-hmm. and um we ate steering racks and steering parts for lunch i mean it just, yeah. you just can't do it that way you know mm-hmm. absolutely and that's that's so interesting because even in my um even in my my endurance car i'm building steering is probably my biggest concern because you know it just i just can't seem to get it the way i want it and you know i either can't steer at all there's too much play you know it's just i can't seem to nail down exactly what i have in mind um, and it's really the biggest difference was I changed back to a 30 inch tire and kind of got the offset back where it needed to be and it plays a lot nicer. Um, and, and that's one thing I wanted to talk about too is, you know, for those who are interested in going to portals, you know, you mentioned wheel offset and, and tire being a huge component of that. Um, what is the correct offset? You know, obviously I think the super ATV tire sounds like it's the, it's the answer on the tire side, but you know, what are your thoughts? Well, it's, so you get wider, obviously, with portals. You're four inches wider per side. Right. So everything goes out. So bump steer comes in a roll. So if you take a factory machine and you put like a four three offset wheel on it, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot harder to steer. Right. Um, you're going to everything that you hit reverberates back up to the steering wheel at that point because mm-hmm. it just puts more leverage in your tire ends than your rack and and, and bolster up your hands. So like I personally, I like to run six one wheels. I don't like a lot of offset in mine. You get so big anyway, it's fine on a portal car. But the 
geometry is really, really important. So let's touch on a couple of things right there. Sure. We were talking about you're a, um, not a real aggressive dryer, so you can, you know, stock axles will last you for a little while, mm-hmm. you know. I can honestly tell you I have broke one axle in the last two years, me personally, and yeah. I drive like an idiot. Yeah. How you set your cars up is super important. Geometry is important. You know, and so when you're setting your steering up, it's the same thing. You know, there's a lot of guys out there, portals are an aftermarket spindle. Mm-hmm. If you're running plus A-arms, you're messing up the, the geometry of your steering rack. Yes, 100%. Everything works differently. So, the, you know, the companies, you know, Can-Am, Polaris, all these guys, they do a lot of R&D on the geometry to make these things. So the, the closer you can get back to stock there, the better off you are. Yep. If you're going to run a positive, like we build our own portal brackets, Super ATV is making them work really close to being done. But if you if you run a plus two A arm, you should be running backwards on your tie rod end location mm-hmm. to, to offset that and to put it back into proper geometry. Mm-hmm. If you try making your own, which we've made a whole bunch of them, you start messing with throw. You can you know the farther you can get the tie rod away from the ball joint. It's going to become easier to steer because of a leverage point, but you're going to lose steering radius. You're going to lose throw. Yeah. So having, having all the proper things in the proper place is really important. And we spend more time on this than anything else online. Geometry is really important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I always hear is, uh, you know, people will go kind of throw money at something that will put a bigger tire under their car and they'll, you know, choose the cheapest option, which typically is going to be, you know, hey, let's move the front end a couple inches or let's, you know, change something like that. It moves something around. And every time I hear that, I just think to myself, there's some, you know, engineer that's getting paid six figures sitting at his desk just going, you idiot, (laughs) you know, like, like you, so much of that, and it's it's hard for me. Well, I'll have guys call me up, and you know they're like, oh, I just keep breaking axles. I'm like, what have you done to your car? Well, nothing really. I'm only running thirty twos. I got a three inch lift kit. I'm like lift kit, yeah. why? Lift <laughs> you know, yeah. Every lift kit you look at it, it, it they bolt on the top of the shocks. They push the shock down. You know, and it, it, it takes a degree of the axle. It changes it. You're yep. in full droop almost all the time. Yep. If you think about an eraser. When you break axles, it's usually a full droop with your tire turn. Yes. That's where you get bound up. It's where you snap stuff. I mean, it's, it goes back to that geometry thing again. Yep. A little bit of common sense goes a long ways when you're building a car. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, is not everybody's an expert. Not That's everybody's true. a wrench turner. And so, you know, what, you know to, to go back and plug ourselves, that's what the first lick rock comes in. People call us. They ask us a whole bunch of these kind of questions. We can try to help steer them and save you some money. There's mm-hmm. nothing better than spending money one time and getting what you want. Expectations is everything in this business. Absolutely. And if you just buy a whole bunch of parts and you throw it all together and you want to look cool, there's a decent chance your car's not going to run properly. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I, there's a lot to be said for that, too. And there's a lot, you know, there's just a, I don't want to say it. Common sense goes a long way. That's probably the yeah. that's probably yeah. the PC way to say that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, the sad part is, is it's all right. We'll talk shit for a minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the sad part is, is there is a whole world of keyboard warriors out there. That's sad. And um, I'll watch on pages. We're part of a lot of groups, mm-hmm. and people will get in there, and some of the advice that these guys give these guys, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? It just yeah. scares the hell out of me. You know, and it, it just kind of comes down to that there's. A certain percentage of people who just like to be know-it-alls. Yeah, for sure. And, and and it's really easy to get misinformation out there. And I'm not saying we know everything because we certainly don't. We learn every day. Every time we build cars, we break stuff. You figure stuff out as you go. Mm-hmm. But we have broke so many cars, so many parts. 
we've tried stuff we knew would fail to prove it would fail. Yeah. Just to figure it out. And if you're not breaking things and you're not actually going through the motion and you're not testing everything that's out there, you don't have credibility when it comes to recommendations, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, I mean, yes. And it's, man, especially, I, I've had this in, in, uh, Oh, do I want to say this? Yeah, I'll say it. Uh, you know, I've had I've had people do um, interviews with me, and then they'll call me a week later. Hey, man, uh, can you take this part out because I got sponsored by them? And it's like, oh, you mean when you talk crap about their product, and then you want me to take it out because now they're giving you stuff for free? Uh, yeah, and I'm like, man, that's yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, you know, I, it's one of those things. I'm I'm. I'll do it for you. You know, I'm not going to go back and do this a second time. I'll do it for you because, you know, I, I know I understand how this affects you, but let's not do this. And, you know, it's kind of things. Make sure, you know, I'm not going to do this a second time. It's always what I tell people. Right. So. And, and I, ha I have a lot of sponsors, mm -hmm. and I make it very clear with every sponsor I have right out of the gate. Um, I won't talk shit about anybody. Yeah. There's companies out there we do business with that, that make parts that aren't up to par, mm -hmm. but they're working on it, and we're trying to help them. Yeah, yeah. As long as they're going the right direction, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Trial and error is part of everything in life, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and absolutely. Since, you know, if, if you walked into a surgeon, at some point, that guy done his first surgery. Yeah. And, and, and that's how it works, you know what I mean? You yeah. get better with experience, you get better with good information, with good knowledge, good feedback. And I'm okay with any company that's trying to raise the bar mm -hmm. and, and do better. Nobody starts out being the best. Like I said, Super ATV is our biggest sponsor. Mm -hmm. They didn't start out being the best. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, but, but when you work hand-in-hand -hand with companies and you try to get, you know, raise that bar and be those guys, I respect that. There is nothing cooler than when somebody comes out with something and I don't like it. And when we call them up, I'm like, here's where our fail point is. This is what we think. Mm -hmm. And they take our information or take our data and they apply it. They're like, let's try this, let's do this, and they want to get better. And I, for, for us, that's kind of the cherry on the top of being slick rock. Yeah. And it wasn't always like that. When we had ten thousand followers, nobody cared. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. When, until you have a big voice out there, you know. But now it's it's it's, it's different because we have a reputation and we've done the right thing for years and years. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a it's a tough game to play though. It it truly is. Yeah. So one thing we haven't talked about, we spent we spent the primary. Um, portion of the podcast um we're about to hit that hour mark um and and I, I know the the people want to know because you guys wheel everything can-am you you know versus polaris and then there's the can of worms that is basically everybody else <laughs> you know um so obviously you guys build can-ams you guys built some badass can-ams uh what do you guys think about the can-am versus the polaris because we've talked primarily about that we all know that you have um, you know, positive feelings towards that. Um, Can-Am, how's it come into play? So I'm, I'm eight to ones, Polaris to Can-Ams. Wow. Can-Am is a really good dune machine. Um, it's a really good platform. The motor is solid and the drivetrain is solid. There's things I hate about both machines. Yeah. Specifically, what I don't like about the Can-Am, um, it has three things I don't like. I don't like the bulkhead of the front. Okay. Um, it's not a whole lot of work to double shear everything, but mm -hmm. they made that car so it would come apart on impact. They did it for a reason. I completely understand it. But when you get big tires on them and you drive aggressive, they'll come apart on their own. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of great kits out there to fix that. It's relatively easy, but it, it's a bit of a design flaw in my mind. Sure. Their steering absolutely sucks. Really? Yeah, the worst steering 
um, out there out of any car I've ever been in. And the aftermarket world hasn't quite caught up with it. They're making leaps and bounds right now, and it's coming. But their steering racks aren't very good. Their motors are underpowered. I don't like the steering in it, which really has caused an effect for us because we build rock crawlers. Right. You have to. That's the. That's if not, you know, you have tires, wheels, and being able to point where you want to go. Yeah. And then last but not least, and this is a personal preference, you sit in that car like you sit in a Corvette. And it's hard to see out of. That, yeah. It's hard to get in and out of. I do a lot of guiding, but I got to bounce in and out a lot mm-hmm. um, on obstacles. And I'm an old man, so it's a little bit of a pain <laughs> for me. But it's yeah. hard visibly to see the terrain that you know you're you're riding out there. Yeah. And the dunes, it's no big deal at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for rock crawling, but those three reasons right there are the only those are the only things about the Can-Am I really don't like. Like I said, the motor's phenomenal. Um, the tranny's phenomenal and it. They're really good cars. But I think that for rock hauling and the stuff that we do, I like the Razor platform better. Yeah. Now, let me Razor ask you. things I don't like as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, certainly so. And, and I think that, that you know, everybody has their pros and cons. Um, you know, our goal is just to get, you know, your opinions. Uh, I would think that, you know, I always hear that in the Can-Am, the, the passenger side, you know, front tire basically gone just totally don't have any vision on it i would assume that the the vision problems that come with the can-am are just multiplied you know for every inch that you go in a portal it just gets that much worse is is that it's super hard to see out of you know honestly and and you get used to whatever you drive Mm -hmm. so there's that part with the first xrs i bought um, I wheeled that thing for four months. You couldn't peel me out of it. I loved it. Yeah. I think it was just because it was different. It was a new challenge. Mm-hmm. But it's a really capable wheel. It has, you know, there's a lot of travel and suspension. As a factory car, it's very capable. Mm-hmm. And I put a locker in one. I didn't even portal it for a long time. I put 35 inch tires on it. I put a locker in it, and I had a ball in that car for months. And and I just loved it. The farther I've gone down with it, the more money I spent. For what it gets to get that car capable enough, um, it was just it was just a bit much. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's the that's the reoccurring theme I hear with them is just that you know they're fun out of the box, but when you really want to you know go balls to the wall, you gotta you gotta put some money up for it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the harder cars to portal. Hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll say that for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, I mean they're they're super cool, and I like it. And compared to everything else out there, you know, it's like there are some great cars. Like the, the Yamaha is is a cool car. It's a doom car. Mm-hmm. Um, for rock climbing and trail riding, I don't like shifting. Right. Know, it's it's the, And the RPM level is it's a doom car. Yeah. <laughs> That's where that car excels is the dunes. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Articat goes, if, uh, if Robbie Gordon hears this, he's going to love me. When that guy gets his claws out of that car, it'll be a good car. Oh, yeah. But until that, um, we've had a, there, there's a whole bunch of top changes going on with Articat between Bass Pro Shops and Textron, and and we've had some opportunities to play with that car. Uh-huh. And the car, the basic setup, the the, the, the design of it is really really good. Mm-hmm. It's set up a little more like a trophy truck. You could go so far with that car. Mm-hmm. But Robbie Gordon's got a patent on this car. And basically, anything that touches the frame, you can't build aftermarket parts for. Wow. So, Articat sells parts for that car, long travel kits, and all kinds of goodies, and they're wow. extremely expensive. But this is the fail of Articat. You know, it's like, it drives me personally just batshit crazy. Yeah. If they will let that go, the whole reason people buy UTVs is because they want to customize them to their riding style. They yeah. want to build them 
course. And you can't do that with an Arctic cat in the same manner you can with everything else because the aftermarket world is not catching up with this car because of that clause. Man, so I, I just assumed, you know, I play ignorance here, I assumed that people just didn't like the car because I personally, when I went out and looked at the, you know, the, the new cars they have coming, I thought they were pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I didn't know that that was, it was a, it was a legal matter that there wasn't, you know, forward progression for that car. Right. Wow. Yeah, it, there, there's a, so there's a patent on basically everything that's bolted to the frame of that car. Mm-hmm. So that takes A-arms out of play. I mean, it takes everything out of play. Let's be real. Yeah. You know, Assault can build mirrors for it. Yeah, you know, you know, Sims can, can build seats for it. I mean, there's certain things that you can do with that car, mm-hmm. but everything that attaches to the frame has is, is, is got a patent on it. I've got some buddies who own some, some big companies out there. They build some parts for the uh, the Articat. First thing that happens, they get a letter from their attorney saying they're going to sue them. Nice. You know, and and it, just, it holds the car down. I think Articat was like 0.04% last year of total machines sold. Mm-hmm. But people can't buy shit for them. Yeah. Makes, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And, and Bass Pro Shops reached out to us a while ago, and they wanted us to build a car with those guys. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to do it if I could actually build the car. Right. But if, if by building a car, you mean I can buy your parts and put on it and put my name on it, I'm out. Yeah. I don't, yeah. It would have been a great publicity stunt for Slick Rock, but at the expense of our reputation, hell no. I don't yeah. want any part of that. Yeah, man, I think there's something, again, a recurring theme here. There's something to definitely be said for that. So, good good for you guys. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that pretty much ties up a lot of the questions that I had for you, just kind of that laid out there. Um, I have, uh, let, me, let me jump here on the Facebook. Um, while I'm trying to figure that out, uh, Tell me, where are you going to be? Obviously, you're going to be in October, and you can give me the dates for that. Um, but where are you guys going to be in the next, you know, end of the year, beginning of the year, so that people can come out and see you guys and uh, get a chance to meet y'all? Gotcha. I don't have, a, I don't have my um, computer in front of me, so I'm going to have to go rough on dates with you. That's all right. I know, I know the uh, third weekend in October, I believe it's the 24th, 5th, 6th, Maybe seventh of uh, October, we're going to be in Windrock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking really forward to that trip. We've got, I think, we'll be in Moab between now and then twice. Probably once afterwards. We have uh, the CST rally, okay. um, the off-road rally in San Hollow in November. Um, next week, I'll be at the Sam Sport Super Show in California. I'll be out there for uh, three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those are the only hard events that I know for sure we have planned. We have a, a hero ride down on San Hollow with the Jeep guys. Okay. Um, we're trying to make some peace uh, locally. The Jeep. <laughs> That's good. We're going to have like, grudge, like grudge matches down there, go down to some rock on with the Jeep guys. That's cool. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to that. But about any given day, we try to keep our um, our rides and stuff posted on our Facebook page and okay. our Instagram. So every time we're shooting out to Moab or we're going somewhere, we try to update everybody. Um, we have a lot of folks who like to come ride with us, and, and we appreciate that. It's a good, always a good time when you get a bunch of machines together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so your Facebook and Instagram handles, uh, what are those? Um, Slickwalk Productions. Okay, Okay. awesome. And that's S-L-I-K uh, yeah. and then R-O-K. Oh. We don't spell good. <laughs> I love it. No, it's perfect because I had to, uh, as I was looking you guys up to get everything squared away, I had to, I had to uh, double check my spelling because uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, you guys have that coined, and I think that's awesome. Um, 
We, we spell phonetically, apparently. I like it. I like it. So, I do have a couple of questions from the Facebook when I announced you guys. I, I put up there, uh, yeah. you know, some questions. Uh, Adam Medina asked, who is stronger, Patrick or Kurt? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my name is Patrick Kurt Miles, mm-hmm. and the reason I do that on Facebook is because when we're out in public, uh, we have a lot of folks come chat with us, mm-hmm. and if you come call me Patrick, I know you probably don't know me. Oh, perfect. And then I don't have to fake it. Perfect. For a long time, people thought that Patrick and Kurt were two different people, that so we were twins. Yes. So we ran a whole bunch of spoof videos where these two were fighting. Yeah. But you can let Adam know that Patrick is definitely the asshole. Okay, I got it. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, and, uh, you go, you go. That's awesome. Well, I, hopefully he'll be listening to the show, and I'll, I'll let him know that it's in the episode. Um, Adam is an absolute stud. He's a good man. That's good. That's good, man. Uh, so I think most of the other questions um, is where do people get stickers? That seems to be I have four or five people asking for stickers. So we have uh, we give away thousands and thousands of these things. Um, we any, Anybody who wants a sticker, just PM, or, uh, PM us on Slick Rock. Okay. Um, when you PM us, give us the color that you want, your address, and your name. you got to have all those three things. People will PM us and just say, Red, that doesn't mean anything to me. Send <laughs> <laughs> so right. us your, your name, your address, and uh, what color you want. We'll happily get them out to you. Man, that's awesome. I'll, uh, I'll have to throw my name in that hat, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll put, put you guys on the race car. because uh, You're more than welcome, man. We'll send you all you need. We, uh, we do tons and tons of that. That's awesome. There's nothing that's uh, more humbling to us than... All the feeds that we're on, all the online stuff that goes on. We, there's, I, when I'm out on the trail and I pass cars with Slick Rock stickers, it, it, that's goosebump stuff for us. That's that's awesome. <laughs> do you guys? Yeah, out there. <laughs> do you guys ever? Uh, do you guys ever pass someone on the trail with a Slick Rock sticker and they don't know who you are? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I uh, I had someone the other day, and they're like. Yeah, I was listening to this podcast called, you know, Racing on the Rocks, and I, I was out riding with some friends, and uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, what do you think about it? He's like, it's good, man. This guy knows what he's talking about. I was like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and then I'm just casually sitting there, and he's like, yeah, y'all ever listen to it? And they're just talking and talking about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to say anything <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> apparently, you know, you don't put your face out there, which I haven't done on the podcast, but uh, you don't put your face out there, and it's really funny. I, I have had a few people uh, I've been talking before, and they're like, hey, man, uh, are you do, you do racing on the rocks? And I'm like, yeah. And that's that's probably one of those moments where I'm like, that's awesome. Finger guns, super excited. And that's That makes me feel good. It, it's cool to be a... Uh... You put so much effort in this, and as you know, um, everything starts from something. Yeah. And uh, and years ago when we started Slick Rock, um, I, I felt like our vision and what we were going to do was going to lead somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it was really hard for a long time because, like, you know, I remember the days when I would call up a company and I would tell them who I was. They have no idea who I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And you go through this motion if you tried to sell yourself and try to sell the idea idea and, and it's it was taxing you know what i mean and when you finally hit us that point where you don't have to do that anymore business becomes a lot easier when you have a reputation and you've earned your way through then it becomes easy you know and yeah. and it, it, it's for, for the company side of it it's a lot easier for the people out there that for us is a really big deal uh, i mean i like to think that we have just helped a uh, hundred thousand people out there with, with problems they've had mm-hmm. And everywhere we go, like the thing that makes Slick Rock work for, for Jake and I 
is everybody walks up to us, they shake our hands, like, boom, you helped us with this. Hey, you saved us on this. Your, your recommendation here was right. And that interaction we have with all the people out there is what makes Slickbox Slickbox. And we consider everybody out there our Slickbox family. We don't know everything, and you wouldn't believe the times that people get involved with us and be like, hey, try this. I just tried this. Look at this. And they'll send us pictures or videos of things they're doing, Mm -hmm. and we incorporate stuff back. And it's just that camaraderie between all of us out there in the off-road world is what makes it all work for us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, that's why people love you guys, Uh, you know, just that whole mindset, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, But I want to give you a chance to kind of give anybody you need to give a shout-out to, anything, uh, any supporters, things like that you want to give a shout-out to before we close things out today? I would shout out to every sponsor we have. We wouldn't be nothing if it wasn't for you guys all believing in what we do and the people. That is the most important part. For everybody out there listening, if you have, excuse me, if you have questions about your UTV, if you have builds, you're having problems, if you're just looking for information, certainly hit us up anytime. Um, we have a full admin crew. Um, if Jake and I can't get to it ourselves, anytime any of our boys are in over their head, they pass them off to us. Everybody gets their questions answered. If we do our best to be as accurate as possible, and once again, we don't sell anything. We're not misleading. Integrity is what Slick Rock stands for. Anywhere we can help, we are more than happy to. Man, that's awesome. Well, again, for everybody listening, Facebook and Instagram, Slick Rock Productions. Um, Kurt, thanks for joining us today, and uh, I'm looking forward to next time after you come back from Winrock, and uh, we'll see uh, how the East Coast held up to your expectations. Sounds good. I'll get a hold of me, buddy, and I'll certainly give you an update. Thanks for having us. Yes, sir. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the show. Today's show is brought to you by Racing on the Rocks. Not Racing on the Rocks. Today's show is brought to you by Pack Racing Springs. Um, Pack Racing Springs offers all listeners to the show a 10% off coupon code ROR at checkout on their website for unlimited use on any products on their website. Again, I'll beat the dead horse. If you want a better ride out of your vehicle, I would strongly recommend starting with a tender spring kit or if you can jump to make the whole way happen. Uh, the UTV full spring kit from their trail series line of springs. Um, their website is super easy to use at racingsprings.com. But if you have any questions or want to get something custom tailored to what you're looking for, I would highly recommend giving those guys a call. Even request Chris. Chris is their resident shock expert. And he is an excellent person to deal with. We did a podcast with him a while back and talked about the importance of sway bars, talked about why people take their sway bars off and why the, the stock ride on your razor is crap. Um, or really your side-by-side, you know, we just kind of go through the whole nine yards and uh, Pack Racing Springs has the solution to fix all of the issues that you have there. Another person I want to give a shout-out to is Infinite Off-Road with their 10% off coupon code R-O-C-K-S, ROCKS. Um, that's 25-year, you break it, they fix it, warranty on all of their Infinite Off-Road products, including light whips, rock lights, wheel rings, light par, light bars and light pods as well uh definitely give those guys a follow and um give them a shout out if you, if you uh, order through their phone service um tell them racing on the rock extension they'll, they'll hook you up with a 10 percent discount all things utv is also a great place for everything else you would need whether it's axles suspension components tie rods performance anything you can think of they've got it there for you dustin and his team of customer service representatives are extremely great guys. They now offer powder coating of any color on pretty much most of their products that they can get to you. Um, Powder coating turnaround is super quick. And again, I have nothing but positive things to say about my interactions with the team over at uh, All Things UTV. 
And as always, thanks for listening to the show. Give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you choose to listen. And uh, feel free to let us know what we're doing, what we're doing good, and you know maybe what we're doing not. So find us on Facebook, Racing on the Rocks. Like the page, and uh, don't forget to share. Thanks, guys.